that he might permit no one to go out or come in to Asa, king of Judah. Then Asa took silver and gold from the treasures of the house of the Lord and the king's house and sent them to Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, who lives in Damascus, saying, There is a covenant between me and you, as there was between my father and your father. Behold, I am sending to you silver and gold. Go, break your covenant with Basha, king of Israel, that he may withdraw from me. And Benadah listened to the king of Asa and sent, uh, and sent commandeers of the armies against the cities of Israel. And they conquered Ejon, Dan, and Abelmaim, and all the store cities of Napatali. And when Basha heard of it, he stopped building Ramah and let his work cease. Then King Asa took all Judah, and they carried away the stones of Ramah and its timber with which Basha had been building, and with them he built Jabah and Mizpah. At that time, Hanani, the seer of Asa, king of Judah, the seer of Asa came to Judah and said, Because you relied on the king of Syria and did not rely on the Lord your God, the army of the king of Syria has escaped you. Were not the Ethiopians and the Libyans a huge army? with very many chariots and horsemen. Yes, because you relied on the Lord, he gave them into your hand. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless toward him. You have done foolishly in this, and from now on, you will have wars. I'm going to stop there. The thing that really gripped my heart is that God is actually surveying the land, looking for something within his people. Is that there's actually a response to calamity. There's a response to situations that God is looking for from his people. And I'm, many, I'm sure many of you can agree in this day and time, we have so much distraction going on in the media. We have so much polarity going on with views that it can seem almost daunting at times, right? And, and the question becomes, how are we to respond to the Lord in this hour? A lot of us have taken up to Facebook. We think that's the appropriate response in airing our, our concerns. A lot of us have taken to doing other things. But I think God is actually looking for a response from us. And I think it's clearly defined here in Second uh, Chronicles chapter 16. A couple things to note. Uh, King Asa, it said that he robbed the, the treasuries of God, gold and sil silver, to make uh, a covenant with uh, the king of Bashah. And that speaks a couple of things to me that, you know, it's, he was talking to the king. He, so essentially what was happening, to paint a picture, was 36, for 41 years, King Asa ruled in Judah. And the year 36 is when things started to get shaky. Basically, uh, the king of Israel, Basha, was coming in, and they were building a wall to kind of block off uh, supplies from Asa and the, the king of Judah. And the king of Judah, Asa, remembered that his father actually had a relationship with Benadad, the king of Assyria. So he reaches out to Benadad and says, hey, man, I really need your help. I really need your help. If I could give you this gold and this silver, if I could make a covenant with you, if you can remember the covenant and the relationship that my father had with you, could you please step in on my behalf? And this is interesting because... You, you see, King Asa did not rely upon the Lord in that moment. Instead, he relied on his external relationships, what man could do. And a lot of times I feel like whenever we have situations like this strike our country, strike our nation, 
We so often rely on what man can do, and we don't look at what God can do. Maybe if Esau had a different response, things would go different for him. When Hanani approached Esau, he basically made this proclamation in verse, in verse 9. Let's look at it. 16 verse 9. He says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless toward him. And then he, and then he, and then he makes this, uh, this statement. He says, You have done foolishly in this. For from now on, you will have wars. And I see a couple of things in there. I see the element of trust very strong in that passage. King Esau, because you didn't trust the ways of the Lord in your time of calamity, because you didn't trust in your relationship with God, because you made a, a covenant with another person and did not honor the covenant of God, in this, in this passage, he says, you have done foolishly. And honestly, I'm going to exhort you guys a little bit. A lot of us are doing foolishly in front of God. A lot of us are acting very foolishly in front of God. We forget. Guys, we serve a God, an everlasting God that loves us. And not only that loves us, but a God that desires to entrust himself in us. His name is faithful. God's name is faithful. He's saying, I want to show you that I'm trustworthy by entrusting myself into you. But in this moment, King Esau doesn't rely on the trust of the Lord. He relies on what he can do in his own ability. And he makes a covenant with actually heathen king Ben-Hadad. So let's continue to read and see what Hanani says here. So I'm going to read out of verse 10 in chapter 16. It says, And Esau was angry with the seer and put him in the stocks in prison, for he was in a rage with him because of this. And Esau inflicted cruelties upon some of the people at the same time. The acts of Esau from the first to the last are written in the book of kings of Judah and Israel. In the 39th year of his reign, Esau was deceased in his feet. It was, was diseased in his feet, and his disease became severe. Yet even his disease, yet even in his disease, he did not seek the Lord but sought help from physicians. Another thing. So not only after Esau denies God, right, and decides, I need help in this situation. I'm not going to encounter, I'm not going to inquire of God. I'm going to inquire of what I can do. He then comes up on this disease in his 39th year. So three years after this calamity has happened. And not only that, then he, it says it becomes pervasive throughout his whole, whole body. It says it, it actually starts in his feet and it became very severe. Yet, even in his disease, he did not seek the Lord. He didn't have an eye to seek the Lord. And a couple of things I like about this scripture, because I think in looking at the opposite side of this, we can kind of see the character of God and who God is. So in, in Colossians, actually, 127, you don't have to go there. I'm going to read it for you. It says, to whom God was pleased to make known what is the riches of glory of his mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, that's very interesting that in Colossians it refers to Jesus as the hope of glory. The hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Meaning that there is a promise. See, whenever there's trust established between two people, there's a promise. There's something to come that's actually promised. And whenever that promise is enacted upon, it allows hope to be deferred. And we know, we know in, in Scripture it says hope deferred makes the heart sick. Right? 
And so why does hope deferred make the heart sick? Because hope was never intended to be put in man. Hope was never intended to be put in what man could do. Hope is actually intended to be put in God because God is faithful. And he does not fail in his promises to his people. God is faithful. And he does not fail in his promises to people. He does not disappoint. Scripture references, references him, him as the hope of glory. The hope is what is to come. So I think in King Esau's view, a better response would have merited a different situation. So it would have been better for Esau to bring prayer and supplication to the house of the Lord that he might engage him in what Hannah and I was talking about in verse 9, right? And Hannah and I was talking about in verse 9, and that says, just to remind us what it's saying, Verse 9 says, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless towards him. I love this verse. In the other translations, it says that God's eyes run to and forth to look for those that he might entrust himself into, that he might give of himself into, that he's actually looking for a people that see him as trustworthy, that he's actually looking for a people that see him for who he is. And, you know, when Stephen was preaching last night, my heart began to come, come alive and, and began, began to be awakened because I was like, I don't see you rightly, God. I don't see you rightly, God, that you desire to entrust the fullness of who you are into me, a sinful and broken man, because your name is faithful and your faithfulness extends beyond my faithfulness. But yet we're still afraid to trust who God is. And we're still trusting in what man could do. I want to encourage you this morning that God is faithful. If you don't remember it, hear my voice this morning that his name is faithful and that God cannot go back on his promise. When he speaks his word, he honors his word and his word will be enacted throughout the earth. In Luke 18, it says, listen to what the, uh, this is about the, the resistant, the persistent widow. It says, listen to the unjust says, And will God bring about justice for his choice ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? Verse 8 says, I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? That element of faith is what God is looking for when he's searching to and fro throughout the earth. He's looking for those that have faith to believe that he is the one that's going to be able to bring about the promise. Did you guys hear that this morning? He's looking for those that have faith to believe that he is the one that is going to bring about the promise. Will God find faith in us? Why is God looking, at, looking for faith in us? Because he desires to move. As we saw in Second Chronicles uh, chapter 16, verse 9, it says he's looking to entrust himself in a man or a woman. He's looking to entrust himself into someone. Why? That his desires may be fulfilled throughout the earth. That God has a dream in this land. God has a dream in this region. He has a dream that there are wells of revival in this land. And he ha- he's actually looking to partner with sons and daughters that see him as faithful. He's actually looking to partner with trusted ones that see him as the Jehovah Jireh, that see him as the faithful provider to enact his desires in the land. I'm going to keep reading on. So just to bring clarity to what I'm, what I'm saying here, 
In Proverbs 13, 12, as I referenced earlier, it says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. And in other uh, translations, longing is replaced with dream. But a dream fulfilled, but a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. When we actually put our hope in Christ, through the element of faith, it actually produces something in our life. That it's not hoping to nothing, that it actually produces something. And let me show you what I mean here. And it's interesting that in Proverbs, it, ref, it, it says, hope fulfilled, dream, the dream fulfilled is a tree of life. Now, if we go back to John 15, stick with me for a moment. Jesus refers to himself as what? The true vine. He says, I'm the true vine. If you remain in me, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So if you kind of see the picture of what I'm trying to paint here, when, when our hope is seated in Christ, when our faith is seated in Christ, we are remaining in his person. We are remaining in this person. We're saying, God, you are faithful and you are trustworthy. And in that posture of remaining in that place, we are able to bear fruit before the Lord. Because here in Proverbs 13, it says, but a dream fulfilled is like a tree of life, that we actually give life to the dreams and desires and the promises of God where we are because we're branches bearing his good fruit. So this element that Christ is talking to, talking about in the action of bearing fruit is actually called faithfulness, that he's faithful to bring about what he's promised, and he's faithful to come. You know, there's never been a spiritual awakening in any country or locality that did not begin in the place of unified prayer, of concerted prayer and sustained prayer. Never, never. And how are we to abide in Christ? By praying without ceasing, by gathering together. It's so interesting that if you look across America, prayer meetings, prayer meetings are the lifeline. The, the, the element of meeting together and praying before the Lord is being sorely neglected in this nation. That we somehow put our faith more in lights and in the shebang and less in the power of actually praying and meeting together. You know, I was listening to Leonard Ravenhill uh, over these past couple weeks, and my heart began to be gripped by a man with such, that lived his life without compromise and such devotion to the place of prayer. And I think America in this hour is to return to that place of prayer. I think America in this time, our response to God is to say, God, you are the true vine. God, you are the true vine, Lord, and our hope is seated in you, God. Make us one with you, God. Make us one with you, God, that we might bear the fruit of your promise, what you desire to bring about in the land, that it might be recognized on the earth, that heaven and earth will somehow collide. You know, it says in the word, we can hasten the day of the Lord. Our prayers can hasten the move of God, that our prayers can actually move and influence the heart of God. That is a powerful place. God forbid if we ever forget the place of prayer in America. You know, the whole reason why I share this with you is because, you know, in, in, college, in the college ministry at Hilltop, we're actually getting ready to embark on something um, different. 
And it's, we're not looking to get hype. We're not looking to build a following. But what we're simply looking to do is to establish the place of prayer on campuses across of America. We're looking for fire that God would get the glory due his name, that fragrance would be brought to heaven. So starting in January 2017, we're actually doing something called Awaken. And we're going to be going to colleges and campuses across the Northeast and just amassing people into prayer meetings to bring glory to God. Guys, the place of prayer is powerful. It's the place where you abide. Can you remember the last time God touched your heart in prayer? Can you remember the last time God spoke to you in prayer? Guys, America needs to be hungry again. Those that hunger and thirst for righteousness in Matthew 5, it says they will be filled. It's promise. It's actually promise. And we remain seated in hope. When our perspective and our faith is seated in God, we can actually bear that promise. As it mentioned in John 15, that we can actually bear the fruit of that because we're connected to him and connected to his heart. So a lot of people I talk to, they say, Matt, why do you go to a house of prayer? What's the need? Right? God is just going to do what he wants to do. What's the need to pray? What's the need to do these things? And my heart is saddened that somehow we believe that God, it, it's almost like a disjointed relationship. And it, it doesn't speak of the Bible or the word at all. God is so intentional. As Stephen was reading last night from John 17, one of my favorite passages, um, as Jesus is talking to the Father about the glory that they had before time, he's actually praying this. He's saying, God, I pray Lord, that they would be one as we are one. God, I'm praying that the representation of me, the union of me, the Holy Spirit in you, that it's evident in the heavens. God, that they would reflect that on earth. That is the desire of God. He wants to make us one. And God forbid if we ever forsake the place of prayer, we actually become one and we touch the heart of God. That's God's desire for us, guys. You know, in the word, it also says that they will know us. They will know that we are Christians. They will know that we are who we are, that we are who we say we are by the love that we displayed for one another. And I truly believe that that love, that God love, comes from a place of being rooted in him, comes from a place of abiding in him, that other people are able to partake of the fruit of who he is, which is love. It says John references God as love. And so when we're seated in God, we produce love. We produce the very character and nature of God in our lives. And other people are able to partake in that fruit. In Hebrews 10, 23, it says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for, he prom- for what he promised is faithful. And 24 says, Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more, and all the more as we see the day approaching. I'm here to tell you this morning, the day is approaching. The day is approaching. The hour is now. Stop waiting for it to come from some big ministry. Stop waiting for the call to come from a Bethel or an IHOP. Guys, we can cry out now. God is looking for a hunger. He's looking, he's hovering across the earth saying, is there one that is faithful for me? Is there one I can entrust myself into? He's searching, he's surveying the land. Let us be found faithful in his presence. Man, God forbid if we're, able, if we're ever found lukewarm in his presence. He wants to make sons and daughters, and that's what I believe he wants to do in this meeting today. I believe that God wants to birth sons and daughters in this place. If you feel like, I just don't really know God, I encourage you in this moment. It says, where the spirit of the Lord, there is freedom. 
The word of God is promised. We have access to the freedom and the person of God in this place. We can draw on him and ask him, God, draw us closer to your heart, Father. God, we intercede, God, that you would draw us closer. God, that we would feel the desire that you feel for America, the desire that you feel for the college campuses. We can pray that. And guess what? God is faithful that he'll move. He is faithful that he'll enact on that prayer. Are you hungry today? Are you hungry for your campus today? Some of you guys got four years on your campus, maybe five if you're like me and you weren't a, well, a good student. But nonetheless, four years on your campus, yet 70 years of breath. Is God going to get the honor due from your life? A lot of us need to make a decision like Daniel did when he made a resolve in his mind. We need to make a decision today that, God, we want to be set before you for your promises and dreams in this land to be fulfilled. God, we want to be set before you. God, that we might bear much fruit in this land, the promise and the dream of your heart, God, for this region, God, for this nation, God, for this world to be recognized. God, because he's faithful to do it. His name is faithful. Guys, I feel like we're to burn. I don't know. I've been, I've been f- feeling this thing lately that, man, I'm just tired of doing church as usual. I'm tired of doing, and this is just maybe God speaking to my own heart, but I think it's also representative of the body. It's just going through the motions of our relationship with God as if he doesn't exist. Coming to church and expecting God to do nothing in our midst. Expecting God to not use us, expecting God to, we have no appetite or hunger for God. And I think in this day and time, we're to awaken to that again. We're to awaken to the purposes of God. If you don't know, ask. Ask who he is. The way my relationship started with God is I asked him a question. I said, God, who are you? Very powerful question. Very powerful question. He revealed himself to me. And it's actually still happening today. He's still revealing his word to me. He's still revealing his truth to me. Some of you guys, if you can just get it, if you could just ask a question of God on your campus, God, what do you desire to do here? You see, some of us are just disinterested because we're so focused on our small bubbles of life. We're so focused on our careers. We're so focused on who we're to become. But if we could just look at God, don't you see, if we can just see who God is, you'll get clarity on who you are. You'll get clarity on your identity. But, if, but a, a branch separated from the tree bears no fruit. It's in confusion. It withers up and dies. But as we behold who God is, see, it's simply about beholding him. As we behold his beauty, he makes us like him. We are made in the image of God. As we look into his eyes, you start to burn. On a very practical level, if you think about the properties of fire, anything that comes close to a fire takes on its likeness. Anything that comes in contact with fire takes on its likeness. We need to start asking God these questions. God, make us like you. Make us like you. Allow God to, to, shape, to, shape your, uh, to get rid of your comfort zone, to start shaping your schedule. Guys, do we really want revival? If we do, revival is going to change our schedules. Revival is going to change the very makeup of your life. Some of us pray prayers and we don't know who we're praying to. We have no understanding of who we're praying to. At all, because if we actually receive what God is, what God wants to do in this nation, 
I don't know if many of us would like it if we actually see it. He wants to totally change our schedules, totally change our lives. Revival is not a part-time job. It's not something you can simply do on the side. It requires all of you. It requires 100% of you. And I'm sorry I'm being hard, but I want to call us to something this morning. If we really want what we ask for, if we really want God to do, let's ask him. Let's start to talk to him, speak to him by name. Jesus, we ask, God, that you would come and encounter this land, Father. God, we ask, God, that as your branches, God, that you would come and bear fruit through our lives in this land, God. Lord, we ask, God, that the wells of revival, God, in New England would be restored, God, to the dream and the longing that you had, God. Do it amongst us, God. Make us a faithful people, God. Make us like you. That's what we're to pray this morning. So in this next session, we're going to do just that. We're going to cry out to God. We're going to cry out to God, and we're going to ask God, God, make us like you. Make us like you. And we're going to hasten the day. And before I do that, I want to invite my brother, Peter Kim, up. And in January, in January, we're actually going to be starting a fast for just that. We're going to be giving of ourselves for this very purpose of God moving in our land, of God reigniting the, the flame of revival on the college campuses, that students would be sent out to the nations, that campuses would start to be changed, that healings would start to occur. So Peter's going to talk a little bit about that. And then after that, we're going to go into a session of, of prayer and worship. And we're going to ask God to move across this land. And we're going to ask God to encounter our hearts. And so I want to engage you a lot. And see, these chairs are comfortable, right? They're nice. They're safety zones. Because I want to encourage you, come close. Step out of your chair. Don't be comfortable. And allow God to encounter your heart this morning. Can we do that? Amen. So um, when Matt was talking about, uh, I'm just going to read two verses when he was talking about his eyes are looking to and fro the land. One of the people I think about is Daniel. And what did Daniel do in a time of crisis? So Daniel 9, verse 2. Um, I, Daniel, observed in the books the number of years which was revealed as a Lord, as a word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet for the completion of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. This is a time of crisis, and we look at Daniel, and what is the first thing he does? The very next verse, he says, So I gave my attention to the Lord to seek him by prayer and supplications with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. And I believe right now we're in a, we're in a time of crisis in America. We're in a time of crisis. We are, we are drowning in sin and immorality. But I believe that God loves America, and his great compassion and love is what's going to save us. So from January 14th to February 23rd, which ends on the Collegiate Day of Prayer, we're calling all college students, those that have a heart for college campuses, to pray and fast for revival on the college campuses, to see prayer break out on the college campuses. Uh, we believe not just from Daniel. We look at Scripture, what the Scripture do in times of crisis, from the times of Esther to Nehemiah to Ezra to, to Daniel, to everything we see that when they respond by prayer and fasting, it begins to shift. Like Matt says, it's not by our own human efforts, but it's by going before the Lord humbly and saying, God, we're getting on our knees. This looks stupid to the world, but we want to see revival. So we're calling you guys to a fast. I want to see a breakthrough. I want to see revival. 40 days is a long time, but 40 days is nothing compared to eternal glory. That's all I have to say. So it's from January 14th to February 23rd. I want, to, I want to share it now to give you guys some time.
just prepare. But I believe, like Matt said, the time is now, is that we need to seek the Lord now. We can't wait. And the crisis is now. And really, we have to ask ourselves not just how much do we want God, but how much do we need, do we realize how much we need God? And we need God in this hour. So just join us. If you have any questions, feel free to talk to me or Matt afterwards, and we'll provide more details. So in this next segment, we're actually going to cry out to God. And as I mentioned earlier, your seat's comfortable. You can stay there if you want, but I want to encourage you to come out here. We're going to seek the face of God. There's something that moves God's heart whenever we respond in such a way, when we posture our hearts before him. And we say, God, we don't just simply want you and want what you can provide. God, we need you. God, because without you, God, there is no fruit to bear. God, without you, God, there is no promise to recognize. God, we need you in this hour. So if there is a need, let's draw on the presence of God this morning. And let's beckon him. Let's say, God, we need you in this hour. We need you in this hour. It's not just wanting the gifts. It's not just wanting to see cool things, but it's actually a desperation, a cry from your heart that moves the heart of God. A broken and contrite heart is what he's looking for this morning. So I encourage you as we pray and as we kick off this next session to engage with God, asking God, let me see your eyes this morning, God, that I might burn in your likeness. If you're not burning, it's okay. Ask him. He'll make you like him this morning. So God, we thank you, Father. We thank you, God, that you desire to entrust yourself into the people, God, that groan, Lord, that desire your presence in this land, God. So that's what we do this morning, God, is we echo the praises that are being sung in the heavens, God. And we say, Father, come. Come swiftly to America, God. Won't you come and revive the campuses, God, in our island, God? Won't you come and bring reconciliation in our land, God, and make us like you, Father?
worthiness of God on every college campus in America, every college of every student, Lord. Let's just begin to lift up praises that God, you're worthy, God. God, you're worthy of every university, God. Every professor, God. Every classroom, God. God, we want to see your name great, God. We want to see that your kind of glory fall, God. God, you're worthy of it all, God. You're faithful, God. It says in Psalm 103, you're faithful and endures throughout all generations, God. God, would you come, God? You promise, God. You are worthy, God. Take Harvard. Take MIT. Take the Northeast again, God. Bring America back to you, God. God, you love America, God. You love this country, God. Pour out your spirit again, God. Let us see the revival. We
sisters on campuses, God, to know, to know that we're, to let your name be known, God, through love that we have for one another, God. And Lord, I pray for those who are not even in campuses or on, in college, Lord, 
the Lord, I pray that that you'll just um, tug our hearts and to allow us to just see, God, what can I do? What can I do in order to partner with you for college students, God, and to see what you're doing on college campuses, God. So, Lord, I pray that you'll just break our hearts.
God, we pray that you would come and establish your church, God, in this hour. God, establish your ecclesia, God. That you would establish your church, God. God, we thank you that all sovereignties do your name, God. All sovereignties do your name, God. That your enemies are placed under your footstool, God. So, Lord, right now, God, we proclaim the preeminence of God. We proclaim the sovereignty of God in this place, God. God, we say, let heaven come to earth, God. God, we beckon it, God. We say, come, Holy Spirit. Come and revive our land, God. God, we pray living waters to flow up in desolate places, God. I ask, God, on dry, dead campuses, God, that dry bones would begin to arise, God, that you would take students, God, that have been dead because of intellectualism and make them alive, God. We ask that you would raise up an army on campuses, God, to be sent to the ends of the earth, God. We thank you, church, good pleasure, Jesus. Let's engage in this. And I just feel the Lord saying, like, we don't approach him 
like, like orphans before like an angry man, right? We approach him as confident sons and daughters before a father. Confidence of his, of the assurance of him to show up. The assurance of him, like we pray, we say, God, do it. And there's something in us, there's a faith in our heart that says, I know he will. I know he will, right? We don't approach him like, like a widow before an unjust judge, right? We approach him like, like a bride before a bridegroom. I just want to have that invitation for you guys here to, to engage a little bit further, to go a little bit deeper into the heart of God and to start crying out for His will, for His will in this city that you would feel what's beating on His heart. And uh, the next thing I want to go into is, um, yeah, we, we want to pray for the students in this city to start to get a hold of God's heart. Right? They, they don't, they're not just doing this religiously. They don't just get a bunch of people stirred up to do something, but they actually feel the heartbeat of God. And their heart breaks through what's on his heart. So what I want to do is I want to do this together. So I want to break up into groups of four or five. You don't have to know each other. I prefer you don't, but just get into groups of four or five um, right now. You guys can shuffle around. All right, once you're in your groups, the first thing we're going to pray about is, uh, yeah, just what I said, that, that students will get a, get a hold of God's heart. So just cry out. You can do it one at a time all together, but just agree with each other in prayer. There's power when you guys agree with each other. So just whoever wants to start, start doing that. Pray that students will get God's heart in this city.
Yeah, come on, guys. Um, next, I want to. The next prayer point I want to hit on is, uh, guys, we got to realize Jesus' heart for the lost. And guys, there is a massive amount of lost people. Because you realize that in the world today, around 2.9 billion people will will be born, live their whole life, die, and never hear about Jesus. Guys, do we realize what Jesus did? What he did to save the lost, and they don't even know it. There's 2.9 billion people who will never know it, guys. He said Jesus is the one who leaves the 99 to save the one. I want us to start to pray for the nations right now, for the lost people groups who don't know Jesus. I want us to start to pray that the students in this area, too, would join in that prayer. That Jesus sees the ones who've never heard. Jesus sees the ones who have never known. So, so begin to direct your prayer towards missions and towards Jesus' heart for those nations.
God, Jesus, we just pray right now that this that, that the students start to get your heart for the nations, God. I just pray that, they, that you put specific countries on students' hearts, God. That there be a student that would just take on your heart for Kazakhstan. There be a student that would just take on your heart for Saudi Arabia, God. That there be a student who would just take on your heart, just Lord, for these countries that we don't even know about. God, for St. Kitts and Navis, Lord. For these island countries, Lord, that you would just put them on the hearts of, your, of these students in this city, God. Lord, and I just pray that they would start just to burn for these countries, Lord. And I just, guys, I, I want to start to go into praying that students would actually have a heart to go. That they would see, like, man, man, you know what, there's a need here, but, but a huge need is that people look at the church and they don't see it looking like Jesus. And if we would actually go, they would see Christianity lived out. Because what people want to see in the church is not more pizzazz. They want to see wholehearted Christianity. They want to see lived out Christianity. So I just pray, guys, just start to pray for the students. That they would just begin to have radical faith and just to believe that it's time to go. That there are nations out there that haven't heard the gospel. And if they don't go, who will? Yeah, just pray for a send for the students. Souls will be one. I hear my people cry. Someone come save us. Ready or not, here I come. Nations will be swept up. Souls will be one. I hear my people cry. Someone come save us. Here comes another one.
to the harvest. It's ready. It's ready. You're pouring a revival. 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 We're going into the harvest. It's ready. It's ready. This is ready. Oh, we wait for you to come and show your glory here today. We wait for you to come and show your glory. 
steadfast love. Oh, I want to be broken. I want to fill your heart. Oh, break my heart for what breaks yours. And in the glowing, we your steadfast love you won't leave us in brokenness no 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 it's okay to feel it it's okay to feel his heart for the nations it's okay to feel his brokenness over our brokenness it's okay to feel his heart for the lost it is okay God we want to feel your heart we want to feel your heart, God. I want to be broken. Break my heart for what breaks yours. And in the glowing, we your steadfast love intimacy 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 we want to be intimate we want to be connected shaking, but Lord, we partner with you in the groans and the travails, Lord God. Lord, I ask that you would give us the burden for the college campuses, Lord, that you would wake us up at 3 a.m., 4 a.m. in the morning, if that's what it needs to take to see revival, God. You would give us the groans of your heart, Lord God, the groans and travails as Paul 
said that I travail until Christ be formed in you. Let us travail until Christ is formed in every single one of our lost friends. Let us travail until Christ is formed on every university, God. God, give us the travails of your heart, God. Baptize us in your agony, Lord, that we, God, would stay there in that place of intercession, God, until that burden is removed, God. Give us faith and an expectation, God. We're not just praying to a simple wall. We're praying to the living King, the Father who answered us, God. And we keep crying out, Lord. You promised, Lord. So, Lord, baptize us in the spirit of prayer, God.
the cry of our heart this morning, God. God, is that you would come and mark a generation, Lord. God, we ask, God, that in our day we would see Jonathan Edwards again, God, that we would see, Father, men and women, God, Catherine Coolman's again, God, that you would raise them up on the campuses, Lord. God, we thank you, Lord God, for those that you even used to start the student volunteer missions, God. God, that it was seven and ten, God, people that went out from campuses, God, from Princeton, Lord, that you used a few, God, that you marked a few, God, that would radicalize the world, Lord God. Lord, I ask, God, in this day and time, God, that you would begin to raise up that seven, that ten again, Lord God. Father, we pray at Harvard, Lord God, that you would start to raise up, God, those that burn for the missions field, Lord. God, that at at Princeton, Lord, that you would start to raise up those that burn, God, those at the Ivies, Father, raise them up again, God. Lord, we pray against the the walls of humanism and intellectualism. We pray, pray, God, that that the preeminence of Jesus would be established, Lord, that your throne, your ecclesia would be established in the Ivies again, Lord. Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for moving upon us this morning, God. God, I thank you for the commissioning, God, of sons and daughters, God, to the end of the earth. God, from this place, Lord. God, I just ask, Lord God, the seed that was deposited this morning, Lord, we ask that we would bear much fruit in you, God. Father, we pray, Lord God, not for conference moments, but defining moments in time, God, where we are marked and commissioned by you, Father. And Jesus, we thank you for what you did this morning, God. Lord, we just give you all glory and praise. God, you would do, you would do a sweet smelling fragrance. God, I pray in this place that you would raise up Mary's God. Those that are willing to waste the alabaster box on your feet, God. To pour out the oil. God, I pray that you would raise those that understand what the oil is, God. That the suffering in our life, God, produces oil unto your name, God. Father, I ask, God, that you would start to raise up a fragrance from sons and daughters. Jesus, we thank you for the work that was done in this place this morning. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Come on, can we put our hands together for Jesus? Thank you, worship team. You guys are awesome. Listen, we're going to break for lunch. We're going to come back together around 2 o'clock. I want to encourage you again to stop by the bookstore and check out the different resources that we have available there and how different ways uh, that what you buy uh, can actually fund uh, missions and other things. So go over, give it a look-see, and then... Let's try to be prompt here at 2 o'clock for Brian Kim's session. You're not going to be disappointed by any means. Um, that's at 2 o'clock here. Did you have something you wanted to say? I'll just give our attention five more seconds to AJ. I'm going to take more than five seconds. So we received such a great vision and a burden today. And so the question is now what, right? Um, we want you guys to partner with us. And so we're going to have Katie um, and me with clipboards in the back. We're going to be over there. Just give us your name, your email, and we want to connect with you. And so um, let's take the burn that God has given us, and let's actually do something with it. Okay? So we'll be in the back. Info. We won't spam you, I promise. Thank you. Two o'clock here. Okay? Brian Kim, you're going to love it.